Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. What happened to me was an injustice because the law of basic property rights say like whatever you work for, generally you possess. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. My guest today is the great Nashawn Garrett, NCAA champ, four-time All-American for the Cornell Big Red. He was also on the 2018 World Team, and that's the focal point of our conversation today. Because right before that 2018 World Championships was set to start, Nashawn suffered a devastating injury that took him out of the event. He had to give his spot to Joe Cologne. Ever since then, he's been on the road back up. He's training again. He's working out again. And we talk about the peaks and valleys of that injury and the layoff. Fate of the week goes to John Gay from Folsom, California. Thank you for tuning in, John. Greatly appreciated. Folks, I'm going to talk about it once again. Beat the Street Chicago. We're holding our annual virtual gala. It's normally an in-person gala. But this year is virtual, taking place June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m., Saturday, June 6th. It would mean the world to me if you would attend this thing. It's free to attend, and I really want you to see what we're doing here at Beat the Street Chicago. To register, please go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com, click on the Beat the Streets tile, and you can register from there. That's it, folks. Let's get to the episode with the great Nashawn Garrett. Peace! Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with podcast extraordinaire, Freestyle champion, Nashawn Garrett. What's How you up? doing? <laughs> what's up? What's up? Man, what's going on? Did wrestling change my life? I'm I'm excited to be on the show. You you've done such an amazing job on it. I'm I'm, I'm impressed. I'm honored to have you on the show and the fact that uh we've exchanged some mutual uh, pleasantries over the social channels and man, it seems like we have a lot of similar interests, so I'm excited to rip into this one, man. Oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Now a newly married man. How long ago has it been since you got married, sir? Bro, I got married January 11th. I don't want to forget now. <laughs> <laughs> January 11th, newly married. It's it's been amazing so far. So a little bit a little bit over a month. Um or today's the 10th, right? Today's the 10th. Yes. Yeah, so not even a month yet. So one more day until a month and and then we're there. Uh, we we did it. We made it. <laughs> the hardest part is done. <laughs> I'm the the that's the wedding. I can promise you that. <laughs> well, dude, one of the things I'm most fascinated in is when people who 
are super obsessive about something like you are about wrestling, how they have relationships because sometimes that can be a problem, you know? Bro, I've, I've actually felt the same thing. Like, and not only that, I've felt like people who have babies, people who have like whole like family units to deal with that, you know, obviously because I'm cutting down down to 57 kilos. And so I'm, I'm thinking I don't have time to like love you and like support you. I want to, you know, I want to do my own thing. I got to focus on becoming an Olympic champ. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's very hard, but it's, um, I guess it's rewarding in the end. Yeah, it, it is. It is for is sure. Your, does your wife have an athletic background or is this all new to her? This crazy world yeah. of wrestling. Okay. So she can't dance and, uh, but she can't, she used to swim. She did Taekwondo. Um, <laughs> she knows four languages. She's getting her PhD. So I feel like, you know, she, she's got her own thing that she's doing, but she, she doesn't do the athletic thing as much anymore, which is, it's kind of sad, but she still works out and she, she's still safe fit. I love that you led with, she can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there was one thing, if there's one thing, I mean, I have everything else, but if there's one thing I, I think I could change, I would say, I wish that she could, she could bust a move, honestly. <laughs> I wish she could bust a move, dog. <laughs> we oh were at our because we, we were at our wedding, and um, you know, and I was trying to put together. And so me, obviously, I've been I've been dancing ever since I was a little kid, you know, dancing, entertaining, singing, do my little Michael Jackson bit. And uh, me, and my brother, I have a twin brother, and uh, so we used to perform at our our, our rallies, uh, our high school rallies. There's actually videos on YouTube if you want to check it out. And um, we would just blow the whole thing up, you know. But we would come up with these dances, these choreographed dances, three, four days out, performing in front of four, uh, three, four thousand teenage kids. Okay. And so I'm used to being, having pressure on me to like, let's go, figure it out. We're going to get, all right, just it's one, two, step, step, hit, there it is. And I was trying to do this, but the day before I got married with, uh, with, with Steffi and she was freaking out. She's like, we should have done this weeks ago. I'm like, what? What do you mean? This is, this is easy. But, um, so Wait, you're prepping for the wedding dance the day before I was, I was prepping for the wedding dance the day before. <laughs> and it's needless to say, um, it did come out amazing, but only because I had to, I had to lead a little bit. I had to lead a little bit. So Man. that's. That's crazy. Is that the same brother who's a ballet dancer? The one who you were doing this with back in the day? That's right. It's the same one. Great, yeah, great dancer, flexible as heck. I mean, he 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 put a lot of work in, a lot of hours, a lot of working hours into ballet, and he did a he, he did a good job. He was in ba Boston. Um, he was got a a scholarship to Boston Ballet, and he was out there for a couple weeks, and so or no, I think it was a whole month. But he's he's legit. He's super legit. There's some elite performers in the Garrett family for sure. We do have some of that. A track star at Berkeley, I've heard. Track star at Berkeley. My sister Candy. Shout out to uh, shout out to Candy uh, for being awesome. Yeah, she's just great. She, you know, she graduated from Berkeley. I think she double majored. Don't ask me in what. Uh, <laughs> and she, she, yeah, she's been she's a good person, man. She's just been she's been killing it. She's Damn. been killing. It. She got she got babies now. She's she's married and. But she was fast back in the day too. She was all American, I think, in two thousand seven and the four, no, the four by, whatever the relay, the four hundred relay or the eight hundred relay. Four by hundred. 
Yeah, yeah, four, yeah, four by hundred relay. Okay. Total off yeah. the cuff, no idea if it's true or not. Yeah, no, no, I, the, honestly, it sound right. So <laughs> at this point in time, well, dude, the reason I was asking about you getting married earlier is that I just thought it was unique timing that you know, you got married eighteen months after you were out of wrestling for a while with an injury. You know, so you had a yeah. lot of time, you know, a lot of downtime. In I, I want to learn about that process, and you, know, you just came back. The Bill Farrell was your first one back in. Was it eighteen months? Yeah, about that. Yeah, almost 18 months. Yeah. And I have loved reading about how your perspective changed and how you've enjoyed the process more. So, I mean, let's just start with with 2018 Final X. You make the world team. You're heading into the training camp. Kind of take us through that whole process and and where the injury started and and when you finally had to to make the decision to pull out. Okay, so freak. um, So make the team. We go over to Turkey. We're hanging out. Got a bunch of video from Turkey. Great team. Great people. Great vibes. Everything's cool uh, in my world. Uh, we go to Colorado. Colorado's, you know, it was a beautiful place. It's the Springs. You know, stay hydrated because you know it'll suck it. It'll, it'll suck it out of you. But um, so we after our training camp in Colorado, um, and stuff was just picking up. We were learning. We were we were really growing. Um, I get back. On that Sunday, I go back to work out on that Monday. You know, I'm, I'm suited up. I think we leave that maybe Friday to go out uh, to Germany. Or maybe, yeah, it was that Friday to go out to Germany. So I'm there Monday working out, just making sure I'm getting my weight right. And it's the last five minutes of – I'm wrestling with uh, Zane Richards. I had brought him as on as my partner, training for it. Um, he's got a gr- really great foreign feel. And I, the last five minutes, I put, had a front headlock. I reached over uh, to his hamstring, went to, to do um, this roll that I that usually you lock up a cradle and then you like you can roll guys backwards. Okay. And I did that, but I didn't have my hands locked. And I've done this before. My shoulder got extended. I didn't think anything of it. Uh, it got extended a little bit more than maybe what it's used to, but I heard a rip, dude. And after that, it was like I knew something was off. I was, and so we got surgery, and um, the next day, and then uh, no, not got surgery. We didn't get surgery. We got surgery two days later, um, but then around the time when we when we knew. Um, so when did you go from you're in this scrap, you have a little scramble, you feel something, afterwards you know it's in trouble. Did you go to Coach Cole or did you go to Bill Zadek? Like, how did you get from there? To the point where the doctor said, dude, this is a problem. You cannot wrestle. Okay. So essentially, um, I was actually in Arizona. I was with Zeke Jones. I, I tell okay. Zeke, um, hey, I this is not good. Uh, he says, all right, you know, just hop on the bike. I, you know, I get on the bike. I'm trying to feel it, just kind of feel out where I'm at. How, how's my squeezing ability? Um, we had a guy uh, named Dr. Chopper. He's like, you know, one of the best. And we went up to the Mayo Clinic. I think he works at the Mayo Clinic. And, um, and he looked at me and he was basically just like, you know, here's, here's the news. Um, it's, it's tore, you know, you tore your, your pec. Um, I thought it was maybe a bicep. I thought it was, you know, maybe something different, but he said, you tore your pec from that point on. Um, I think we, I think we went to go get, um, x-rays on, on it or cat scan or something on it to check it out. And, um, right after that news, that that's when I had called bill and, and let him know, you know, I tore my pec and um, yeah, and I, and I told him that I wanted to like if he would give me Joe Cologne's number, like I wanted to be yeah. the one to call him. And so, um, so I ended up calling him, and 
yeah, and then I made some phone calls to some of the other guys on the team, you know, Kyle and Jordan and um, some of the guys I was I was closer to on the team. Just let them know, like, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. I actually tore my peck off. And, um, yeah. Dude, that's yeah. – it's uh, – and I only want to focus on this because I, from what I've read, the growth from then to now and your perspective is just unbelievable. And that's obviously what we're going to lead into. But, but, dude, that phone call had to be – probably one of the more emotional things you've ever done in your life with you and uh, Joe Colon. I mean, someone you're battling with tooth and nail a couple months earlier. Now you're calling them. It's like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a crazy experience. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm in between the balance of, and I'm, I'm trying to work this out with my mental coach. Uh, uh, but I'm in the, the balance of like, is it fate or do you create your own fate? Like, are you in the hands of like some, something, higher or are are you creating for yourself what you want in life and you know using the potential energy to 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 manifest you know whatever right i'm in the middle i think there's a little bit of both at this point in time this was something completely out of my hands i there was nothing i could have done to control it and so i had to accept it at that point the moment it happened i accepted this happened there's nothing i could have done about it there there must have been a reason for it i don't know why I don't know what the reason was, but there must have been a reason for it. And was so, that, was it, that the first injury you had had? That was, yeah, the first like really like that was the first surgery I've ever had. The first thing that required a surgery, right. first major major one. So it was, yeah, it was it was me accepting it early helped a lot because then my emotions weren't like, um, you know, too all over the place when I was when I was calling people and stuff. So I just accepted it and I dealt with the emotions later. Right. So what was, I mean, had to be, it's just a, it's a, it sucks. It's like, what rhyme or reason is there for that? It's a freak thing. I mean, it's not like you had had an injury that you were kind of nursing. It just, just freaking happened. Um, so how long was it until you were able to even start thinking about training again or even wanted to train again? Oh my goodness. Well, it was probably about, I wanted to start training. So it happened in October. I don't think I started thinking about training until after, till like January, really. Yeah. So like I wasn't even allowed to think about training, to be honest. They wouldn't let me, um, they wouldn't even let me start to get back into a training cycle. And so, yeah, it was, there was, it was difficult. You know, you go through the, from training as a, a world-class athlete for, you know, this long stretch and period of time. Uh, and to not doing anything at all, bro, it's, it's, it's nuts. It was, it was really, it was really crazy. Because I mean, you've been working out multiple times a day for decades, you know, not a, maybe not decades, but ever since you got to, to college and, you know, before that you were multiple times state champion high or yeah, multiple times state champion high school. So it's like, dude, you've been going at it for a long time. I mean, that's gotta be the first time you'd taken off that much time in since you were a kid. Oh yeah. And I had to, and I started late too, because I started in in eighth grade. So like I was constantly trying to catch up to people too. So I might've done a little bit extra just to kind of make sure I was where I needed to be. So yeah, this was, this was a big hit, man. It was a big hit and it was a, it was the longest stretch of time I'd ever been off the mat. You know, it really caused you to rethink, you know, your value for yourself, your value for the sport, your value. It it really caused you to, to rethink some things and you know, reformulate some things in your mind, how you, how you perceive life in, in general. Well, I've heard you say that it's, it was something where 
you couldn't control this from happening. You couldn't have prevented this from happening, even if you you know, even if you knew about it. It's like it just was a freak thing, and so that kind of for a minute there, you went through a spell where you're like, if I can't control that, what's the point of doing anything? And then you've come around to the point now where it's, you know, all you can control is the process. So you're grateful for that. That that seems like a big gap to bridge, and there was a lot of like self exploration in between there. Um, I guess what kind of led you to that, and how long did you spend in thought about that stuff? Oh my gosh, I mean. I was I probably spent so much time in my head that even coming back to, to like even now I'm still feeling the effects of like being in that that place. Mm. Uh and not that it's a negative thing, right? Because like there I've always been a very I always ask a lot of questions. I've always been the type of person who's very uh, overthinks and is very heady about things, but this was like a new level of headiness in a sense. It was it was it was a new level of trying to perceive something that was like really bad and really negative. Cause I never, like I've, I've had bad stuff happen in my life, but I've never had bad stuff personally happen to me Mm -hmm. where I felt that it was unjustified and unwarranted where I noticed it, if that makes sense. So like, I've never liked it. I've never noticed anyone being like racially insensitive towards me or, uh, I've never noticed, you know, bullying. I've never, I don't think I've ever been bullied that I've noticed, you know, mm-hmm. I've never experienced some of those things where it's just like, it's unjustifiable, where it, it's, it's an injustice to the person who's being attacked or being, um, or yeah, whatever's happened to them. Right. So this was one of the first times where I felt like this seems like an, something that was unjust that the universe, the world, whatever, um, it's unjust. Like the, um, not that, that it is unjust, like God or anyone's unjust, but that what happened to me was an injustice because the law of basic property rights say like whatever you work for generally you possess that it belongs to you. So no one can take away the hard work of, of someone who has dug the ground and the soil, planted the seed, made it water. You know, I can't cause the growth, right. you know, on, only, only God can cause the growth, but I have to do the work. I have to do my part. Right. So, and you felt like you were doing your part up until that and point. I felt like I was doing my part, you know, like I should have seen some, I, it's, it's almost like I planted the, I planted, I watered, I dug, got the prepared the soil did it the right way the tree comes up the fruit is on the tree someone comes and picks up all my fruit fucking hurricane comes and blows that shit away it's like exactly yo really oh my god really and so then you ask like who's to blame right? right who's to blame uh because who how do i get um restitution right in this situation right because i can only think about it in legal terms like if i've worked for something <laughs> you know what i'm saying like if i've worked for something and if i've, I've put my heart and my all and that be- i'm not saying that a world championship belonged to me but I, what i'm saying is that um i did enough work where i felt i at least deserved to be to represent and to try and to get there you know and then we'll let it we'll let what happens happen right but you didn't even so, get a chance to get there, though. That's the I didn't thing. get a chance to get there. Exactly. I didn't get a chance to taste the fruit. I didn't get a chance to hold the fruit in my hand. You know what I mean? So that's – I'm like, well, 
I I like restitution in some way, shape, or form, right? Um, so that that that's that was my thought process, man. That was really my thought process going by it. Like, is is there justice? Will there be justice for this situation? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, what did you? I guess what did you do to, during that time when you couldn't work out to to kind of fill your time? Were you doing a lot of saunas meditations cold showers i mean how did you kind of get through there because a lot of people listen to this used to wrestle they don't have that outlet anymore you know fortunately like yourself you're back training now you're getting to exercise those demons twice a day every day but for the (laughs) folks who can't what were some things you did when you couldn't actually wrestle that got you through that so there was a few things that i felt particularly helped the one thing i started doing i actually was introduced to uh the wim hof method oh yeah yeah and i started getting into that uh and i did that actually for pretty consistently for about two two months or so um after this time i started you know doing the cold showers i i um shout out to morosco forge um they are a a club uh, a tub um company essentially like where it's it keeps the the water like at around uh, f- around freezing temperatures so that you can yeah it's sweet Morosco Forge you just check them out at Morosco Forge. Um, you got and one in the house. I you know I don't want I had one in Arizona but when I left I I they they Didn't repossessed it okay. yeah yeah so that but it, it's sweet, it's though. oh it's it's freaking awesome it's awesome so but their whole concept is like yeah. Like this helps with mental health. It helps with, you know, you just conquering some fear and, you know, just dealing with some stuff that, that, yeah, is that physically getting into the water. How are you accepting? How are you accepting that? You know, and even t- to this day, I get into the cold water and I think, wow, this is, see, the funny part is, is that while I couldn't compete, I, I was trying to change, I was trying to change, train my, my mind to be competitive during this time. And I would do that by doing stuff that I didn't want to do because sometimes that's what training is like, doing mm-hmm. stuff that you don't want to do, uh, creating habits, being repetitive, um, good habits, and and the whole pra- perfect practice makes perfect type of thing. Now, the thing about being in a cold tub is when you go into a cold tub, it's not – it's always going to be cold. It's not the tub that's that's changing. It's not what's in the tub that's changing. The water is not changing. It's going to be cold. How you respond to the cold, how you function in the cold is what matters. And so you can develop yourself and allow this thing to give you something that you didn't have before. So a lot of people step into a cold tub and think it's taking away something from them. Think it's it's taking away my warmth. It's taking away my comfortability. It's taking away something that um, I it, it's taking away something that's easy for me. Uh, and for me, it was, and I think for a lot of people who do have the practice of getting in a cold tub, it's uh, I'm receiving something from the cold. So I don't think about it as a um, I don't think about it as a this is a bad thing or this is, you know, some, something's being taken from me. I, I believe I'm receiving something from this healing that, properties and other things. It's incredible that that shift is all just not just in the mind, but it's in the mind to your point, the cold, the water didn't change. The tub didn't change, but 
something in you change in the sense that going in there before maybe was a task or something you dreaded. I know I've experimented with it. I dreaded it every time. Oh my but, gosh. But to your point, if you go in there with a different mindset, you can get different things out of it. I think that's got to parallel a lot of things in life. 100%. 100%. So, I mean, it's something that I would definitely challenge people to, to try or to do, especially if they want to, you know, have a higher sense of, of maybe their body and mind awareness. Because if your mind uh, – one thing I was – I kind of a concept I developed a little bit is that when you go in, it's like your mind and your body are supposed to be working together as one. Um, but something wants to come in between and separate them. And what happens when there's a separation is chaos. It's we get freaked out, we get uncomfortable and, uh, we need to learn how to overcome chaos. We have to learn how to overcome things that we can't control. You cannot control the fact that the, well, you can if you wanted to, but in, in this situation, you can't control the fact that the water's cold. The water's going to be cold. It's not going to change. Uh, but you can't con- control whether or not you will allow it to separate you from you. Hmm. And are there, you think, moments and matches where there are micro moments of chaos, chaos throughout a match where... Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're yes. 100%. And there are places that you have to go. There's like dark places that you have to go. And there's, there's some things that you will have to experience that want to tear your mind from your body. You're, you're, I was just learning this today from my, my mental coach. He said, um, your mind is like water. It's always going to flow to, to the easiest place. So, it's so annoying, so, though, isn't it? Why the heck does the uh, mind have to do that? <laughs> well, Everything that you want to do, it's like it tries to talk you into the easier route, whatever it is, waking up, eating right. There's always something. Because the third thing that my coach says is we – there's – our mind wants to do two things. It, it's, it's, it's trained to do two things, or it's, it's almost primitive in a sense of like that it wants to survive and it wants to – and what to survive and it wants to not thrive but um let me see let me check my uh, I, I forget exactly the other thing but it was like we either want to survive and we want to uh, i forget i can't remember the other thing i just i just had a conversation with them about it but it's fine um, i think it's i think the, the point you're making is that through i mean whenever obstacles are presented the mind wants to take the easier path so if you let it you know it's going to go that way but you were saying, you know, throughout a match or throughout different parts of training, um, there's points where you have to go into the dark waters, as you said. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, yeah. That being said, that being said, we have to learn how to control our our minds. We have to learn how to, um, yeah, create habits of of ment- right the right mental processes. Um, we have to. Because in a match, when someone's beating on your head or when someone's pushing the pace on you, it's uncomfortable, man. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Um, Do you think some of the times you've made the biggest jumps in terms of your ability to operate when you're tired have happened in a match or happened during a particular workout? Oh, um, great, great question. Um, Some of the biggest breakthroughs for you. Some of the biggest breakthroughs for me. Well, right, so... In in competition, I think some of it is 
like you get to see whether or not what you were doing in practice is is, is sticking right and holding. So in some ways, it's I feel like competition is just a manifestation of what happens in practice. Um, I would say that for the most part, most of it happens in practice, mm-hmm. but uh, because there's a lot of things that happen in practice that people will never ever see on the mat, you know, like, you know, whether it's generally we'll never see on the mat. I, for example, for me, if I cry or if I'm, you know, do something or do some freak out or cuss or do something like that, like generally it's in the mat room. So that way I put it all out there. So that way I can have a very stoic centered, peaceful, you know, um, countenance when I'm, when I'm wrestling. But it happens. I mean, to your point, there's been times when anyone has had those moments in practice and it's, you know, I don't know if they happen more frequently or less frequently, the older you get, but I mean, we even have them as adults, right? I mean, <laughs> it yes. happens all the time. Um, do you remember one in particular where like when you're maybe your first semester coming into Cornell or like one of the big turning points for you in terms of, oh. <laughs> you know, I actually do. I actually do. I always remember this. So <laughs> we're talking about as far as like that to that to that brink yeah. where that wall was kind of pushed back. Okay. I remember there was one point in time. I was with a guy named Mike Thorne. He, he wrestled at Minnesota. He's the older brother of um, the other Thorne boy. podcast. We love Mike Oh, Thorne. is that right? We, oh, no way. Dude, speaking of this. Got the UM mug right here, Minnesota mug. Let's go. Dude. Yeah, I know. A big fan of those guys. Actually, Zach Sanders sent that to me, and I got connected with him through, uh, actually, ironically, BJ Futrell. But Thorne, Sanders, that whole crew, all, all that same era, great group of guys. Great group of guys. So, Thorne. <laughs> Thorne, we went in for, for a workout. You know, I'm thinking maybe it's going to be a little bit light workout, but uh, we get into a workout. I think I like hurt my ankle or something. So we started wrestling and I think I hurt my ankle. So he's like, all right, let's go in the sauna. And so we go into the sauna and um, we do this plate workout in the sauna. I'm like, what the heck are we doing? This plate's hot. (laughs) Hot plates. (laughs) And I'm trying to. I don't know. Exa- I forget exactly what, what the workout was, but I know we were like lifting it up and we were doing a, some heavy stuff and holding it. And and I just remember being so, I remember being so uh, broke by that, that workout he put me in. And he was yelling, do you want to beat McDonough? Do you want to beat these guys? And I'm like, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> but it, <laughs> this is hard. And, um, but it, it was that one I remember in particular that really pushed me. Um, I remember that um, so so fondly, and um, so to this day I, I, I give him thanks for for being um, one of the first, not the first, but one of the first guys when I got into college, um, got into Cornell to push me to that to that level. Oh man, it's, there's I know there's so many more where that came from, but one thing you mentioned there with McDonough, obviously that was a, a huge match when you were a freshman. In the quarters, I believe. And I cannot find the match online. So if you have it in your archives, dude, Bro. post it. Where where are those matches? Where are those NCAA matches? People have I wish them. I knew. It's like they were recorded. Where the hell are they? Stop hiding them. Bring them out. If you're listening to this, 
bring it out. Let us know because I, I, I myself and other wrestlers that I know of would love to see, see, look back at some of those memories. Those are memories for us yeah. as much as they are for anybody else. And it's like, you know, they have them archived, hidden away with lock and key and, you know, fed the key to the dragon kind of thing. It's <laughs> like, can we, can we get, you know, I want to be able to be able to access some of that stuff. And it's, it's really difficult too. So, well, yeah. It's like, I, you know, the schools record most matches, you know, ESPN records most of the matches. I mean, where the hell are they? All right. Right. Once in right. a while, some random match will get out from the, this is like the dark days before flow, <laughs> right? Yeah. You see like a, a random big 10 final here from the nineties. You're like, all right. Where's the rest of the tournament? Obviously, they're right. recording it. <laughs> right. I don't. Where did, it, did they? Were they just intent on not releasing any footage? Um, but I mean, so I wasn't there. I didn't get to watch McDonough match. I know you won an overtime. What uh, what do you remember from the match in terms of kind of your mentality going in and and what took place in terms of the sparring and action during it? Yeah. So the first the first time. I, all right. We I want to preface this by saying the first time I wrestled McDonough. Um, I came out firing all cylinders. I don't know where this match is either, but boom, with the first like 10 seconds, blast double takedown. And then he ended up beating the hell out of me. Well, I I, I don't know if it, he gave me a good beat down. He controlled the match for sure. Uh, I think it was maybe eight to three final score. Where was eight that to at? Three. That was um, at the national duels. Rest in, in peace. Yeah. R.I.P. Now, now, because <laughs> because he rode me so hard, they always they forced me to to basic um they forced me to whenever I would go into practice and we would do top bottom, I would always sprawled out. I always had to start learn how to base up, learn how to get up. I'm like, okay. So I had to, every day, ever since the national duels, they were like, no one can ride you. I'm like, okay, that that sucks um so it was good it was it ended up proving to be very uh, useful because i didn't get writ, wrote, written out um at all so obviously make the quarterfinals um i you're a freshman right my, yeah i'm a freshman okay um i'd, I'd won uh the first two made the quarters and i'm you know i'm pumped i'm excited to wrestle and stuff and so there was i had taken a couple shots on him where um he he managed to get out of it. I'd taken a couple double leg shots where I, he managed to get out of it. Now, the thing was, he, well, he was very long. He's very long and very strong. And so it was hard to like, it was hard to get control of his body. And I knew um, going into like that, I ended up, I, I don't know if I wrote him out the third period. I think I did write him out the third period. I was on top. I remember just thinking, hang, just, just hang on just a little bit longer. And I remember, I think it was like 59 seconds of riding time in the third period, 59 seconds. So I was like this close to getting a, uh, a minute and then winning in criteria. Oh, so you rode so him to send it to overtime. I rode him to send it to overtime. Okay. Yes. So, um, what, no, I think it was like two to two and I was on top. And like, if I had gotten the point, then I would have won in criteria. Okay. So, um, so I was like 59 seconds. All right, we're going to overtime. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I, I can let him shoot on me because I'm, I'm, I just, I need to be the first person to shoot. And so as I think about it, I'm like, okay, I've gotten to double legs uh, two, three times, but he just keeps on getting his hips back and, and pushing me away because he's so long. And so I shot a double from 
within the first like 10 seconds, shot a double. As I was driving, I needed to get my hips underneath him so I could lift him up. And so, you know, you'll hear the announcer say, um, shot by Garrett. Oh, inside trip by Garrett. And then I lift him up and plant him on his hip on the edge of the mat. And uh, to be honest, that was like really the first time I ever jumped up and celebrated and did a did a whole thing um, because that was it was just crazy. It was a very surreal moment. And especially where you're at the Nationals, you're a true freshman, and the 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 it was in Iowa. It was oh my at, in Des Moines that year. Okay, so sh- shit's going crazy now. It's popping off. Going into the match, you knowing that he had beat you a couple weeks before that, was he was he owning some mental real estate on you, or were you focused on yourself in the tournament, not versus like a singular opponent? I mean, I might have had like a freak out at some point in time. I definitely no, nope, I definitely did. I had a freak out. Um, like the day before, no, <laughs> the I day before, did. <laughs> <laughs> the day before the tournament, I remember calling my sister and being like, I'm so afraid right now. Just really, really kind of like fearful. And, um, you know, she was like, you know, control yourself and, you know, to do, do what you can, you know, words of wisdom, that kind of thing. And so, no, I wouldn't say that anyone or anything was particular in my head. I just knew that um, I, I think I had had a pretty good draw up until to McDonough. But I mean, that's not a good draw because say you win the first two, like you get to the quarters, he's a two-time national champ, three-time fi- finalist. Like that's a bad draw just for, so for gritty anybody. Too. I mean, like, it's, oh. And you knew it was going to be a hard match. I was like, oh, my gosh. But I don't think I let any of that get into my mind. I was just like, I, I need to do what I, what I got to do. And um, so it was, it, was, it was a beautiful thing, needless to say. Beautiful thing. And, dude, fast forward a couple years, not, not that you're back in the finals, but you, you were back in the finals, but you're wrestling another Iowa guy, Corey Clark. How different were those two, two guys to wrestle in terms of strategy and pace and, and so forth? I've wrestled three hours. Three Gilman. Yeah. Clark. And they're so good at hand fighting. They're, they're like on you. It's like, it's like, get off me, dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why are you on me like this? So, it, <laughs> <laughs> and I get it, you know, but it's like, goodness gracious, like, give a brother some space. <laughs> Get a brother, get some space. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it, it, it was, it really, yeah. So they all, they all wrestled like that. Uh, very handsy. And Clark and um, McDonough have a little bit more similar body type than, no, they all have like very similar body types. I want to say that Gilman is like shorter, but like Gilman's a tall dude. He's like lengthy. Yeah. But like, like McDonough was like big. He was cutting. There was rumors of him cutting in July to make 125. That's how big and tall McDonough was. Like, he. I believe it. He was huge, dude. And I mean, the I other guys it. look big too. But to your point, yeah, kind of similar no, he, body types. Yeah, I mean, he was long, lengthy, just like yeah, yeah. And I understand that. Obviously, they had a good team that year. You know, I don't know yeah. necessarily know if he could have bumped up or so. But yeah, it was. They they just. They wrestle very similar. The style is just keep going forward, keep going forward. And they are all really good in like these like, 
you know, when you have the seatbelt position, they're all really good there. They're all very like want good defensively on, on the leg when you get to their legs. Like it's just, they're, they're just tough to wrestle. My goodness. They're tough just tough guys. to wrestle. What can yeah, you say? Tough guys. What can you say? What are you, you going to say? I mean, and, and, I I got nothing against him either. I'm I'm a huge fan. Like to me, my style, my senior year was very much more of an Iowa style than um than any other type of style. Like I think it was very handsy. It was very gritty. It was very. I moved a lot. I but I wanted to put my hands on folk. You know right. what I mean? But then I wrestled an Iowa guy. And I'm like, yo, get, you know, get, I don't want to put my hands bit. on. I, yo, give me some space. Let me let me take you down. <laughs> <laughs> now you talk about different styles. You were trained down at ASU for a while. When did you get back to Cornell? Um, I got back to Cornell in like, I don't know, August 29th, August 29th, okay. August 30th. Um, but is, am I going to be on video by the way? Uh, some of it will be not at the whole interview. You can eat though. Hey okay. folks, we got a world-class athlete here. He's fueling up. All right. <laughs> forgive the, forgive the eating. We're not going to judge you. Nation. I just didn't, I just really didn't want the, the stereotype to kind of play into this too much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were eating Doritos or what. I'm like, is that a Dorito? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Doritos. Um, yeah, and no, I, I just cut up some watermelon, and I don't know. I'm just not really into playing into stereotypes, but today hey, I am. He's getting hydrated. He's getting nutrients. Um, um, nutrient, some simple sugars. Let's go. When is practice today? Hmm. Four forty-five. Speaking of. I don't need to leave like soon. Okay. Like, let me know. Um. Yeah. Five minutes. Ten minutes. Two minutes. I want to say like two minutes. Okay. We'll wrap it down because we're gonna have okay. you back on, dude. Because we're oh, please do. We're please riffing. Do. We're having some fun, dude. Um. Please do. Oh, we got to. There's a, a laundry list of things we haven't talked about yet, but um, let's just let's keep it simple. I know you're a guy who you know from what I've read, you and I come from a kind of a similar situation, not your typical Cornelian household upbringing by any means. I'm the same way. Um, let's just, let's keep it simple though. How did wrestling change your life? Or what, what is wrestling giving you? Or what have you learned from it? Um, it's really, uh, that's really made a big impact for you personally. Hmm. Wrestling is, wrestling is the, oh, it's a great question. First of all, and I have thought about this and, I don't want to answer too fast because sometimes if you speak too quickly, you don't say what you want to say. Wrestling has provided me so many opportunities that I don't think I would have even come near to if I hadn't had, hadn't done the sport. Um, it was the first thing in my life that I felt like I had control over. Um, in my life where when I was wrestling, everything else disappeared. I didn't have to deal with um, I didn't have to deal with a mother who was having st struggling with substance abuse. I didn't have to deal with um, <laughs> I don't know the insomnia of like of of life, you know, I, the insomnia that was life was creating for me. Mm -hmm. um, I there was a place where I could learn how to put my emotions and fuel, put them into something positive, I guess you could say. 
it's, it really has meant the world to me. And, and the fact that my journey has led me to be um, on a platform where, you know, at least some people know me and where I can make a positive influence and a positive impact on, excuse me, on other people. I remember watching uh, videos of Jordan Burroughs when I was a junior uh, in high school and thinking, oh my gosh, I, I want to wrestle just like that. Um, and then, you know, to meeting him my freshman year at the Vegas tournament to um, being on the same team as him to him tweeting at me to us becoming like legitimately good friends. Yeah. And um, so stuff like that is, is it's, it has afforded me opportunities I would never have gotten if I had not done this. And wrestlers were, were such a, a unique species. We were connected in so many ways um, by so many different things, but, you know, we're connected by the, the hardship and the grit and, um, and just endurance and the pain and the suffering people who suffer together, you know, there's something to be said about like people, even if we're not together, but like you were on a different team or you were, you wrestled at some point in time, you've, you've experienced the type of suffering and it's the collective suffering that holds us together and keeps us close. You know, if we didn't suffer together, we maybe wouldn't be as close, you know, but like anybody who's a wrestler and he's, Oh, I used to wrestle, you know, five years. I did this. And, you know, there's always a story of, oh, I was cutting weight one time and I puked this up or, you know, this happened or I ate too much. And, you know, I was cutting weight and, you know, I got my butt whooped, you know. So, well, so there's like, always. It's like the the thing for, you know, it's, if someone said, hey, here's this thing you put in your hands. If you work as hard as you can at it, you both physically and mentally, this little thing can take you all over the world. And by the way, no one could take it away from you. Only, you know, it's yours to do what you want with. Go ahead. And like that was wrestling for you. And so, um, just amazing at that. That's kind of led you to where you're at now. It's, it's awesome. Man, it's been incredible. It's, I'm incredibly thankful, incredibly thankful for, um, for the sport. Truly. Well, we don't want you to be late for practice, my friend. I know you're, you're coming up on the, uh, on, on the window here. So we'll let you go, but, Definitely got to have you back on. I had a lot of fun researching you and listening to. I mean, we you got podcasts we haven't even talked about yet. You got a podcast with your wife. You got you know your own podcast. Dude, there's so much shit. I got a YouTube channel. Oh, also, where also, can they find you? Sign off with yeah. Go ahead. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. You can find me at Nishan Garrett underscore on Instagram and Nishan Garrett uh on YouTube. And um, I do have a podcast. Um, the podcast is kind of put away a little bit in, 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 a, in a safe place for right now just because um, it's not sustainable for this season of my life. But the YouTube channels are. Speaking of, I am putting out a, a YouTube uh, uh, vlogging series that is going to cover my next seven weeks of, of training and everything I'm going to put on YouTube. So every episode is going to be two days of my training, um, thoughts, whatever it is, leading up into uh, the Olympic trials. Beautiful. Dude. Leading up into the Olympic trials. So I'll Beautiful. just be vlogging it out. And so I already have two episodes up. Um, I'm, uh, one episode up. I'm working on the the, uh, the second episode, three, day three and day four. So seven weeks of this. And we should probably have like, I don't know, some 
fit anywhere from 15 to 20 episodes up. And so hopefully that, that gets some traffic and people get to see, hey, what, what am I going through? What, what's happening? Because I, it's something people I don't see a lot of high level athletes no. doing. It's just we're so secretive and hidden and like we don't, you know, and I don't think on purpose, really. I just think that we just don't have the time, the effort, the energy, or maybe we just don't want people to see see us a certain type of way, you know. But like I'm I'm willing to let people see that because I think it, you know, I don't know how long I'll be in the sport, but, you know, for as long as I do have, like I'd like to document some of it and let people know like, hey, like wrestlers are who they say they are. Like we are the real deal, especially at an elite level. Um, we don't get the love that we that we should get, you know, from from maybe the outside, but we get everything that we need out of the sport to help us in our on our own personal lives, I think. Right. Or we we should, you know what I mean? The character, you know, that kind of thing. I love that you're doing it. And in the meantime, folks, you got to go listen to Nashawn's episode where he does the Bill Farrell recap. It's not even about the Bill Farrell. It's about this incredible journey he's been on from the entry to now. And that that's one of my favorite podcasts I've listened to in a long time, man. I think it's episode oh, five. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Will you do that? It's just you on there riffing for a while. So I can't wait to watch the YouTube series. Oh, wow. Yeah. Funny part about that. Um, um, I actually, so that was maybe like a 22 minute the episode or so i cut it i put 26 minutes i cut it down to like 22 minutes um i had done a whole thing of that and it didn't cap i didn't press my audio on oh. so it didn't capture any audio so was that the second so time bad. through so that was the second time through. that's why it's so, so crisp I, it was, and clean dude that's why it's clean i know dude, it's fucking good it's really yeah, I, good i appreciate that i appreciate really, that love really bro. good dude yeah man well uh dude it's been an honor can't wait to chat again best of luck at practice tonight my friend Appreciate it. Wrestling changed my life. Best podcast uh, out there. Who? Who? Appreciate it. Love you. Thank you so much. Go Big Red. Take care, my friend. Go Big Red. All right, my man. You too. Bye. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Give us a review. Give us a rating. And share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.